0: let's stand There we go. turn around, and around. Uh, yeah.
1: Do <clears throat> what? What Do I see this is the one. This is one. Once you were dead because because of your disobedience To God's anger, just like everyone else. But God is so rich in mercy, and He loves us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, He gave us life when He raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. For, for He was ris- raised. Sorry. For He raised us from the dead, along with Christ, and seated the heavenly realms because we were united, because we are united with Jesus, Christ Jesus. So God can point to us in all future (coughs) ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us, as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. God saved you by his grace when you believed, and you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created created us anew in Christ Jesus, so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. This is the word of the Lord.
0: Thanks be to God. Thank you, Bridget. So next time I teach, I may be asking one of you. Way to go, Bridget, way to lead out. (laughs) Thank you. All right, that's some good stuff we're about to unpack together. I'm really excited about this week. Um, Yeah, the first 10 verses of chapter two. Um, If you were here last week, I just want to say bravo to Shelby. He's going to be our our master resident um, uh, authority on Paul the Apostle. Um, He had so many really good insights about Paul's worldview and all that background. So any questions you have about Paul, go to Shelby, because uh, he he really um, kind of laid the groundwork from where Paul was coming from in writing this, and it was good. I want to do a tiny bit of review, and we're going to do what I'm calling a pause and a deep breath, and then we're going to get into um, this week's uh, passage, but um, I want to revisit chapter, the end of chapter one and this part that Bridget just read. Really, it's unfortunate, like when, when this letter was written there are no like chapters back in the day and so that's just a way the chapters and the verses are just a way for us to keep things organized and so really um, the very last verse in chapter one just leads right into the first verse and really in some manuscripts it's basically and and then it goes on and so I want to I just want to piggyback a little bit of what um, a concept that Shelby talked about last week, because it's going to be really helpful to kind of revisit that for this week. Um, Colossians 1.27 says this, God wanted to make known to those among the Gentiles the glorious wealth of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And that was one of the verses that Shelby um, kind of unpacked saying that this is now and not yet. That was Paul's worldview, that this life that we're living is now and not yet. It's kind of this um, idea of the present and the future. In that verse, Colossians 121, Christ is in you now, and he's also the hope of... our our future glory so that's the and and I just want to piggyback a little bit and let you know that the New Testament uses all three tenses in its writing and you can see that in different verses and it's real important as you're studying the Bible to pay attention to what are we talking about are we talking about something that happened in the past is this something that I need to be participating with now Or is this something I I can hope for that's going to happen when Jesus comes back? It's kind of important to pay attention to even just those tenses, those verb tenses of what is being talked about by the author. So, for example, um, past, present, and future. Um, This is what we're going to unpack tonight. There's something that happened. When Jesus died on the cross, he he, um, that, had, that was in the past, right? And he made a way for us to be justified by our faith. So justification was made possible by Jesus' death in the past. Um, Ephesians 2.5 says, Even when we were dead in our trespasses, Christ made us, uh, we are made us alive together with Christ. And it's by grace you have been saved so once we say yes to jesus there's this process of called justification that happens and we're justified by our believing faith and we are saved by that we are justified by our saying yes i put my faith in jesus and that happened because in the past jesus died on the cross and made that possible does that make sense so in the past, and then that's our justification, but also simultaneously in the present, we get to participate in the now through something called sanctification. And this is the process of us becoming like Christ, Christ-likeness, okay? And it's, it's how our souls are being spiritually formed now. So 1 Corinthians 1.18 kind of points this out. So this is what is being talked about in the present for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing but to those of us who are being saved that's present tense it's happening right now we have been saved and we are being saved does that make sense um it's by the power of god so both things are a work of grace in us but the sanctification is like the present tense and then the future tense is something called glorification. We have that to look forward to. First Peter 1, 4 through 4-5 says, And into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, this inheritance is kept in heaven for you, for you who, th- who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. Okay. So there's grace in what Jesus did for us on the cross. And when we say yes to him, we are justified. We are made right with him because of his past uh, death, burial, and resurrection. That's justification. We are also participating in the now. We're being sanctified. We are working out. We are growing. We are... um, we are being saved now as well, and that requires grace, that's sanctification. That's what happens when we become apprentices of Jesus. We are learning and growing, and that will bring us right until we take our very last breath. And then what happens in the future, this hope that we have, the hope of glory is called glorification. And someday when Jesus, either we meet him in heaven or he comes back is this um, future glorification, which is also a work of grace, okay? So I just kind of wanted to piggyback on that because we talked a lot last week that Paul's worldview is the now and the not yet. It's 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 something that has happened, but it's also something that is to come. But I just kind of wanted to also say there's this area where the overlap, remember how he said, like it's the overlap of heaven and earth and this process of sanctification is what we get to participate. That's how Christ makes us new in the present and we are transformed from one glory into another glory, as it says, okay? Um, this age and the age to come. So basically, it's all grace, Grace meets us in the past, present, and future. Thank you, God, for that. And we're going to really kind of unpack that whole grace idea tonight. But first, though, I want us, because we only have 10 verses tonight, they're wonderful verses, but because we are doing this in community, it's really important that we hear from each other and that we give you opportunities for us to, like, talk this out. So I just want to pause before we get into these 10 verses and look back at chapter 1 and kind of just open it up to you guys. And as you've been sitting with these verses for a while, um, we haven't had a lot of time for discussion. So is there anything in chapter 1 that really stuck out to you? or you have a question about, or just like maybe fell fresh on you um, in the last couple of weeks? Yes, Mia. i uh-huh. take all questions except predestination (laughs) (laughs) all right well here's the deal if you have something that's burning and you really want to say it like during class just raise your hand and go like this and we'll stop because sometimes I get on a roll and I'm just like going but I want to hear from you and hopefully by I want us to kind of just, now that we've kind of got this book off the ground and we kind of got a rhythm of us just kind of settling in and um, the, the uh, amount of territory that we have to cover is less than it was has been when we've done this in the past with the whole chapter. Also, this is just kind of heady stuff. It's not like we're following a narrative necessarily. It's not like this is a story like Matthew. And so um, it kind of are these um, concepts that it's good to talk about out loud. So, what do y'all think? Uh, what do you think about this new living translation that we're using? That's all I've ever used.
1: Do what? Mm-hmm. I like it. You like it? Okay. That's
0: all I've ever used, so it works for me. Okay, <laughs> wonderful. We did it just for you, Sergio. <laughs> I know that I I kind of go through seasons, you know, where I really like one translation, and when someone reads out of it a different one than what I'm used to, it kind of is like, oh, I don't like that one. So I just want you to know, feel free to read whatever you want because also different translations or versions they lend a little bit of a different light. It's the same concept, but it might just enlighten something a little bit different so if you're reading from something different than what I'm going out of and you're like hey in my version it says this it kind of leads to some really good discussion so feel free to jump in with that as well okay Um, chapter 2 like I said flows directly from one end um, from the end of chapter 1 so the stuff that um, Shelby kind of unpacked last week, I'm just going to read the last verse. And the church is His body; it is made full and complete by Christ, who fills all things everywhere with Himself. And one of the commentaries I was reading that some of the <coughs> some of the original manuscripts say, and once you were dead because of your obe- disobedience, it leads just right into chapter two. Um, one thing that I want us to uh, I want to point out is that um, prepositions, plural tenses like past, present, future matter, but also um, prepositions. So in, on, with, below, above, those kind of things that are positioning, the prepositions matter too. because in chapter one, We see in, like, 1 verse uh, 4, God loved us and chose us in Christ. Uh, uh, Verse 13 in chapter 1, and when you believed in Christ, okay? But we kind of pivot a little bit in chapter 2, and we're going to see now we are with Christ Jesus, okay? Um, For those for us who are united with christ jesus and in chapter in verse 12 united with christ jesus so that's just another nuance as you're studying the bible to kind of just um that helps you go a little bit deeper is understanding where am i in this oh christ is with me and we're going to find out next week at the end of chapter two when anthony um kind of teaches that we are the temple and and god is i mean god dwells with us he's emmanuel but he also dwells in us and he's with us his presence is here and that makes uh, that kind of brings it to life a little bit better okay the first 10 verses are broken up into two parts the first three verses And then uh, 4 through 10. So that's kind of going to how we tackle it tonight. So the first three uh, verses basically describe our spiritual condition before we met Jesus. Pre-conversion, pre-revelation, pre-apocalypse. Okay, this is before we've had this great revelation that Jesus is awesome and we believe in him and want to follow him. This is, this, these three verses describe who we were and kind of what life looks like for those who don't know Christ. And I'm just going to read the first three verses, and y'all can read along with me. Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, you used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world he is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey god all of us used to live that way following the passionate desires and inclination of our sinful nature by our very nature we were subject to god's anger just like everyone else okay so we've got some fill in the blanks right off the bat Um, Oh, first I want to point this out. He says, you, did you notice that? And then he switched to us. Verses 1 through 2, he says, you were dead, you used to live. And then in verse 3, he starts to talk, all of us used to live that way. And it, and it switches uh, who it was. And so what I learned from Tim Mackey in the class I took this summer he says, really, the you isn't talking about you, Elizabeth, or you, Amanda. It's the plural. So it really should be translated y'all, which I'm very comfortable with being from Texas. <laughs> so he's like talking about a group of people, you, collective, y'all. And so if, if Paul is saying y'all, who's he talking to? He doesn't include himself in that group. Yes, the Gentiles. So he's talking, he's a Jew, and he's talking to the Gentiles. He's saying, (laughs) y'all, this is what it looked like for y'all, okay? Number one, you were spiritually what? Dead, okay? Were they physically dead? No, dead on the inside. Death reigned, not life. Um, And they were alienated from who? They were separated from God. Okay? So they didn't know God, and they were spiritually dead. And who was their obedience to? The devil. Okay? So that's what he's saying. You Gentiles, this is the way it was. And then... um, And so I want to pause right there. Does that sound like a fun life? (laughs) No. Basically, this sums up the human condition without Jesus, which is basically enslavement to sin and death. You're enslaved to it. He is sin and death are your master. Um, Who is the devil according to verse two? commander of this world. Okay? Anybody have another translation for the devil? that's right um okay so this is one of my thought questions that i gave y'all last week and i don't know how many of y'all actually um, take the time to look at those but just so that you'll know i'm going to try and weave all those questions into my teachings so um, you have a chance to answer (laughs) i won't call on you though so the thought question The first one was, how is the devil at work in hearts that don't know Christ? So how could he be at work in the hearts of people who don't know Christ? Or how is he at work in the Gentiles in this passage? You can get clues from the first three verses. Um, Yes. Yes, exactly. He lures us to follow our own desires. We follow our own sinful nature. And He's at work in our hearts to cause what? Sin. And once you were dead because of your, verse one, disobedience. Yes. Yeah, that's that's what the the devil's job is. Is he is he lives in our hearts and he causes us to disobey. I mean, that's just that's kind of his his job. Um. Okay, verse three. Then Paul says, all of us used to live that way. So he says, who used to live this way? All of us. Now all of a sudden, he's putting himself in with, with the, the Gentiles. He's like, hey, it wasn't just you guys. It was all of us um, who were living in this way. Why? Now, this is kind of, this is, this is where it gets kind of deep. Why? Why do you think he just grouped all of us together that we were living according to this sin, sinful nature and our desires and disobedience and being ruled by death? could be, but also it was, the same boat. right, it was, yes, and why was he in the same boat? Is all humanity, what? as a five-year-old or a six-year-old, like, does that mean that Viola was born to sin? Even though she's a young child? Absolutely. Yeah, because that's just our fallen nature. That's the nature. That's why Jesus had to come. And, and so what, what Paul is saying, it was you guys, but it was us too. It was all of us who kind of lived in this, before Jesus, the pre-apocalypse, the pre-conversion, we're all under the same human condition of fallenness. That's why we needed Jesus. Okay, does that make sense? Romans 5.19 says, For as by the one man's disobedience, the one man disobedience, that's Adam and Eve, They were, the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. That's Romans 5.19. Okay. So, we're going to pause right here before we get into 4 through 10. Let me ask you this question. How does rebellious or disobedient living happen? So it's just really important for us to nail this down, for us to realize what we have been saved from and what is at stake when um, we say yes to Jesus. So how does rebellious or disobedient living happen? There's three influences. And this is kind of a pop quiz, and your pastor is in the room, so I, I mean, you kind of have to get this right. yeah three influences that cause this to happen the world which is the ways of culture and society that's opposed to God the devil or Satan which is the ruler of the prince of the air the commander of this world and our flesh which is our fallen sinful nature so that should sound familiar because this is exactly what we're about to unpack all of this is kind of goes in line with the sermon series that um anthony and the guys are leading us through um did god really say so this idea of the devil the flesh the world um i went back to my notes of when anthony preached a couple weeks ago and, and what we see here in these first three verses of this human condition is the devil at work. And I, I liked how he said it. He says, the devil sees life and he tries to sow death. The devil sees beauty and he tries to deface it. The devil sees love and he sows hate. The devil sees unity and he tries to fragment. The devil sees flourishing and he's going to try and destroy it. So what we need to understand is there's this constant opposition to truth. And it, is, it opposes our growth and tries to deform what Christ is wanting to form in us. Okay? So we just have to be aware of that and name it for what it is. Recognize that we're in a battle and one that, with Christ, and one that we can't do on our own. All right, there's no way we could live beyond this fallen human condition without Jesus. So I wanted to set that up because the next few verses are. It makes, it's going to make you excited. Okay. Understanding what our enemy is is really, um, really vital. Okay. Verse 3, we're going to end up here. By our very nature, we were subject to what? God's anger or wrath, okay? Just by our very nature, we were condemned because we, we, we are not capable of coming, in being, uh, coming into God's presence without help. So, okay... That's what happened in the past. That's pre-apocalypse, pre-conversion, pre-revelation. And then we get um, to some good stuff. So I'm going to read verses 4 through 7. But God is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, He gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. And it's only by God's grace that you have been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realm because we are united with Christ Jesus. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. Okay, do you see the vast contrast here? Life before Christ and life in Christ. Life with Christ. It's incredible. Okay, um, what I'd like you to do is um, either in your notes or... uh, in your Bible or wherever, I want you to circle, but God, because that's key. And when you're reading the Bible, like to understand, um, okay, I'll get there in a minute. But God, what does it say? Rich in mercy and, and because he loved us so much. So two things, but God, oh, he's so rich, he had mercy on us. And not only did he have mercy on us, he loved us so much. So in light of these two conditions, this is who God is. He's merciful and he's loving. And because of that, even though we being, what were we? dead because of sin he then gave us life. And so go ahead and circle even though because this shows you you see when you're when you're studying scripture like this you look for what God is doing and then you look for how what, what that means for our relationship with him. So but God was rich and he was merciful and loving even though we were dead to sin even though we were in this fallen state he so even though he then gave us life okay and verses five and six show us how he gave us life okay how did he give us life verse five he gave us life when He raised Christ from the dead that happened in the past he also gave us life when he raised us from the dead along with Christ when does that happen that that happens now he has raised us up with Christ that's present and then in verse 6 what else how else does he give us life Yes, he seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we're united to Jesus. So that's what's going to happen in the future. We're going to be seated with him for eternity. Okay? Do you see how the tenses work out here? So he gave us life through justification, he gives us life through sanctification, and he gives us and he will give us life through glorification. It's grace at every step of the way so it's important when we read this to remember that life begins life begins now in the present it's not something where we just say yes Jesus I believe you Jesus come quick and we're just like (gasps) holding our breath until we get to heaven no life begins now abundant life is now the kingdom of heaven is now it's that overlap he has things for us to do now okay so um yeah does that make sense y'all with me okay verse 5 says only by God's grace you have been saved we're going to talk about grace in a minute um Okay, take a pause. to the physical resurrection of believers at Christ's return. So it's something that gets started. We're being regenerated. We are called to be transformed into Christ's likeness now as we look forward to the hope of glory where we will eventually be made perfect. We will never achieve that perfection on earth, but it is God's plan that we grow mature in our faith, and we become more and more like Christ the older that we get. Until that glorious day, believers are seated in a position of victory with Christ as he enables them to overcome the world, the flesh, the devil. All that God accomplished for the believer was first accomplished in Jesus. I just really liked how That and kind of sums up that we don't have to be afraid that oh my goodness, I'm battling my flesh, I'm battling the world, I'm battling these temptations of the devil, he's out to get me. Jesus do this in verse 7 or why did God do this why did he do this for us verse 7 yes so God can point us point to us so he we're his masterpiece we're going to get there in a minute but it's too good of a word to say till the very end you are his masterpiece You are being created into a work of living grace and a masterpiece. And why did he do that? So God can point to us in all future generations, all future ages, as examples, not like, oh, look how good Shirley is, but as examples of God's incredible wealth, of his grace and kindness towards us, as shown in all he has done, for those who are what? United. Remember, that's the whole point of this uh, book, is this idea and this concept of unification of all people under Christ. So all of us together are his masterpiece based on the wealth of his grace and kindness. Ugh. So good, you guys. Jesus is just great. God is great. Holy Spirit's great. All right, I'm going to read the last three verses, and we have 10 more minutes, so we're right on time. Verse 8 God saved you by His grace when you believed. God saved you by His grace when you believed, and you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. So how did God save us? grace and when did God save us when we believed okay so here's a little nerdy thing for y'all I'm gonna give you for free there's actually two kinds of grace that impact our life with Christ And I think I included a quote for you um, from this book called Spiritual Theology by Simon Chan he just defines grace as being God's favorable disposition toward undeserving sinners and a transforming power of the soul okay so that kind of is the transforming grace and also the creative grace. It's the grace that is waiting for everyone, but also the grace that accompanies us on the journey of becoming like Christ. It's the wonderful thing that we meet. His mercies are new every morning, and we have grace to try again when we fall down. And we have grace when we're having trouble loving our neighbor. That grace is what meets us there when we sincerely desire to love someone difficult that grace is there it's this creative and and that's what it means to be a masterpiece god is creating us into a masterpiece a masterpiece is done by an artist god is the artist and we are his work okay um I love how he ends up, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. That's that present time sanctification that's happening. He has created us anew. He made us new in him. He gave us new life, and he is creating us anew every day of our life. So we can do what? So we can do good things that God had planned for us. That kind of goes back to he chose us and he also planned. He's got a plan and a purpose for you. He has things, good things that he planned for you to do long ago. Isn't that cool? So we can put back, we can put aside that old sinful nature of death and take on this new life and that's what it means to live new life in Christ, and with Christ. Okay? I think... Yeah. Okay. Any questions?
1: That passage you were talking about, this group of 2, 12,
0: and 13... Yeah. About the... Uh, working out our... I think we get hung up on that passage with the word work. Like we gotta earn something, because work we identify with, oh, you do a job and you get paid. But no, this is like more like submitting to our salvation. Like we are submitting to this process of regeneration and rebirth, and it's a process as we go. So don't get discouraged. You have victory. Um, that has already been planned out for you when you say yes to Jesus. I think that wraps us up for this part. Now, next week, Anthony's going to talk us through the remaining verses of chapter 2, and uh, he's included, I think, four um, kind of thought questions as you go through that part. And... Um, but he's going to get into more of talking about the Jews versus the Gentiles and then also just how, how God has set up his dwelling place in, in us. As the temple of God now, we are little temples walking around where, where God dwells. And that just kind of further expands this view of what it means to live in Christ and with Christ. So let's pray. Dear God, thank you so much for the richness of your word and the words of Paul. Father, I just pray as um, everyone goes home with this uh, these verses that you just um, plant them deeply in our hearts and that you water them and help, um, help us to grow um, fruit from this time that we have invested um, in sitting with these scriptures. And, Father, I just pray that um, it just becomes a greater, greater reality, this new life that you have given us for each and every one of us. We just thank you so much for your your rich grace and kindness and love and mercy that you just pour out with um, you never— that well is a well that never runs dry and we're so grateful in Jesus name amen